0: hope our children grow up unencumbered by learning difficulties. Being diagnosed with dyslexia is hard and getting through the educational system harder still. But should we be using the word difficulty when describing dyslexia? My guest today thinks not. Kate Griggs is an award-winning social entrepreneur, the CEO of the charity Made by Dyslexia, and a proud dyslexic herself. She believes that instead of being a burden, dyslexia is a superpower, and that dyslexic minds are made for the 21st century. It's imagination, intuition, and empathy that sets us apart from the machines, she says, and that's dyslexic thinking. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um,
0: I'd love to start with a really basic question. What exactly is dyslexia? It's something I think that so many of us are familiar with the term, but it would be really interesting to hear what exactly it is.
1: So dyslexia really is a different way of thinking. Uh, It's a different way of processing information that results in a pattern of, of challenges, which most of us are, are aware of, which is difficulty with learning to read, spelling, getting your thoughts on paper, even organization and maths can be affected. But it also comes with a pattern of strengths, dyslexic thinking strengths. And it's those skills and those abilities that are super valuable for the future. And it's often the, the strengths and the abilities that we don't put enough importance on and don't really understand. So. that's that's really important that we actually flip dyslexic and dyslexia and understand it for both of those things. Some challenges, but also these amazing strengths.
0: And what are those strengths? What are are the typical strengths of a dyslexic person?
1: so there there are a whole um range of strengths, and we um, have done or i 've done a lot of work in actually determining what that the strengths frameworks are both for adults and for children um, but it 's things like uh imagination dyslexic people have an amazing um, imagination they 're able to see what could be, not what is, which in the education system can be quite tricky because they may be daydreaming about all the things that could be there and thinking about possibilities rather than the facts that they're presented with um, in the school system. Um, dyslexics are really good at seeing the big picture. So we tend not to think sequentially and putting things in order, which, again, is very much how we see things in the education system. Dyslexics are, are all about actually seeing the forest, seeing all the things in the big picture, and then coming back to putting them into to sequence. Uh, and those things, uh, both of those things, are incredibly important in, in um, things like entrepreneurship, Um, where you, you need to have that imagination and that ability to problem solve and see the big picture. But there are lots of them. Communication is a really, really strong point for dyslexic people. So you'll find a huge number of dyslexics in... Um, uh, in the media Um, a a lot of great writers are dyslexic a lot of tv presenters are and that's the ability again to see the big picture but to actually get to the point the real sort of nub of a problem and then be able to or an issue and then be able to communicate it to the world um And another really big uh, strength is uh, emotional intelligence. You get a lot of people in the caring industries are dyslexic. We make fantastic leaders because we're able to understand ourselves and the impact we have on others, but also how other people are are feeling and how to empower them um, and actually build brilliant teams. So there's there's so many strengths that are so valuable in life. Because I
0: think there is this idea that... If you've got dyslexia that's a real hindrance to you and it's sort of you know you get extra time and exams and poor old you but actually what i've loved about your book this is dyslexia is um and also the work you've done with extraordinary people is highlighting how many amazing success stories there have been when people who who have dyslexia i mean certainly looking through your book most of the sort of really successful really creative people i can think of happen to be dyslexic
1: So it's no coincidence that so many people who've done so many great things are dyslexic. They've tapped into their dyslexic thinking to... Um, make great inventions or businesses or or become super successful at what they do. In fact, four out of five um, successful dyslexics will tell you that they are successful because the way dyslexia helps them to think. So if we can actually flip the narrative and really understand the strengths, then it really does transform lives for dyslexic people. Um, But it is important we get spotted at school. School is really tough for dyslexic kids because it plays into the the wheelhouse of everything that we find challenging and it it rates and scores you against the things that we find challenging um, like getting lots of information down on paper in a set amount of time with no spelling or grammar mistakes, which is basically an exam that 's not what happens in the real world. In the real world it 's all about what you do with all of the information that you can find on Google and how you can, you can actually use that to to move your your job or society or what you do forward. So um, it's tough if we 're not picked up, but if we are picked up and we 're given the help that we need, it, it really is an amazing skill to tap into.
0: Mm. I mean you've talked a lot about dyslexic thinking how can you how, describe to me how what that dyslexic thinking is and how it differs to someone who doesn't have dyslexia
1: um so I think if you can it, dyslexic people think multi-dimensionally um, so if we're presented with a problem we won't just look at it in in a sort of linear fashion we'll look at it from the whole picture so uh, and i think that's where the sort of often the big picture thinking and the holistic thinking comes in so um we tend to use, you know, our emotions, how do we feel about something? What does it look like? Um, Where could it be going next? It's very much looking at it for across lots of different dimensions. And that's, it's quite difficult to explain. But any dyslexic that you speak to will talk will tell you that they do see things in in sort of multi dimensions or see the big picture. Um, But that's also quite difficult to measure as well in terms of a, a talent in school, if we did change the education system to have a different way of measuring skills, those sorts of things would be difficult to measure. Equally, creativity, um, coming at things from a different angle, um, asking questions that to, or trying to find problems to, to solutions, uh, solutions to problems rather when we don't even know we've got the problems in the first place. That's very much a, a pushing boundaries and and not accepting the status quo is very much a dyslexic thinking trait. Mm-hmm.
0: And that would sort of explain why sometimes you know the biggest change makers are dyslexics. Um, I mean, just looking at I know Richard Branson is a big supporter of your charity and someone who's who's really an incredibly successful. I want to say in spite of his dyslexia, but probably because of his dyslexia.
1: Well, yes, that's absolutely what we believe. And it's what all the evidence is backing up. It's the way that we think. And if you take Richard, for example, um, Richard loves solving problems. You know, if he sees that there's a problem, he'll just say, well, why is there a problem? Or well, maybe I need to build a business to actually solve that problem. Um, he's uh, famous for building challenger brands. So, you know, he always thinks something doesn't always need to be that, so, that way. If it needs to be different, I'll make it different. Um, and you know, he's a famous explorer. He likes going off and having adventures and doing different things. And he's applied that to his life. So he is... He very much epitomizes dyslexic thinking from an entrepreneurial stance, but also from wanting to do things that are extraordinary, like flying into space.
0: And the other person um, who's sort of clear that he thinks like that is Steve Jobs, who obviously invented, I think he invented, designed the iPhone, the Apple technology that basically has transformed all our lives.
1: Absolutely. I mean, who knew that actually what we really wanted was a pocket computer? I mean, we all had phones and we liked phones and we had laptops. But um, the fact that we then managed to, to Apple developed the iPhone, which really was the, the comp- one of the completely groundbreaking inventions of our time, um yeah and it is it it and again that's the sort of wanting to disrupt the status quo and find different ways of doing things and um there's there's some amazing some of the initial apple ads if you ever delve into watching those again about there's one called think different um which was a very famous ad and almost everybody it has in the commercial is dyslexic actually so um it is about that different way of thinking that disrupts the world disrupts the status quo and makes the world a better place
0: I mean, you've acknowledged Albert Einstein in your book. Um, Do is there? Do people think he was dyslexic? Do we know he was dyslexic, or is it just his his kind of exhibition of dyslexic thinking that suggests that he might have been?
1: With a lot of the sort of historical figures, um, it's about looking at going into the history books and understanding all their biographies and understanding how they think. With Einstein, he famously says that um, if you're worrying about your your maths, then um, you should see mine because you have no problem or something along those lines. He was terrible at rote learning. He didn't know his times tables. Um, he obviously was brilliant at coming up with amazing solutions, but often couldn't tell you how he got there. So just the way he thinks would lead us to believe that, yes, he he was dyslexic. But obviously, back in um, when he was was creating all of his amazing theories, not that many people were being picked up as dyslexic.
0: Yeah. And I just wonder how many Albert Einsteins were missed.
1: And, and are still being missed, actually, because. Uh, There is research that is relatively recent, actually, that shows that 80% of dyslexic children are leaving school with their dyslexia unidentified, um, which is totally outrageous in the world today. It means they're not getting the help they need to get through the exam system, but also they're not realising why they may be struggling at school but they have these that they have these incredible talents as well so that's something that we really do need to to look at we should be finding these kids not letting them sort of struggle and and be hidden within the, the education system
0: how common is dyslexia
1: uh, it's actually one in five people. Um, that's the the stat that the USA use. And there's a lot of research with organisations like um, the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity that state it's one in five kids. Um, I think in the UK, we use the stat one in 10. Um, but it, it is more common than that. It is one in five.
0: Well, and, um, you know, with, with this idea of dyslexic thinking, that's actually a really, that's really good news. <laughs>
1: it well it's very very good news isn't it i mean we we did my charity did some research with um the global consultancy e y that looked at um the import it actually looked at the skills that the workplace needs for the future um and then looked at dyslexic thinking skills and there is a complete match uh, and that research was done in two thousand and nineteen then in two thousand or last year actually we did some research with the global recruitment company manpower and they looked at how the pandemic had turbocharged digitization and AI and um, they then uh, came up with research that that by 2025, 50% of jobs are going to be done by machines and the other 50% that will be done by humans match directly with dyslexic thinking skills. So twenty twenty five is only a few years away, so it isn't the future that needs dyslexic thinking it's now, so it makes it even more important that we as parents and teachers are spotting it and really empowering this brilliant way of thinking
0: and How do you diagnose dyslexia
1: well, I think it's it's actually very easy to spot if you know what to look for so um i'm dyslexic, my whole family are dyslexic, and I have two dyslexic boys. Um, they're grown up now and they're really successful in, in the things that they love to do and actually have tapped into their dyslexic thinking skills. But as children, um, their dyslexic thinking or their dyslexia presented differently. But actually, it was very easy to see in both cases. So Ted, my elder son, is very dyslexic. Um, when he was about four or f- about four, he could tell you the name of every single dinosaur. He could tell you whether it was a herbivore or a carnivore. Um, but he couldn't, he had no interest in reading himself. He loved being read too, no interest in reading himself, and he really wasn't grasping anything at his nursery, didn't want to write his name. So there was clearly this amazing mismatch between this this bright kid who had loads of interests and was fascinated by lots of things, but no interest in schoolwork. So, you know, that was a, a casebook example of dyslexia. Um, Will, my, uh, my um, younger son, um, he, his dyslexia didn't actually become relevant or a problem till he was about seven. And so he'd had good reading instruction. He was ticking all the boxes, but just scraping along as a C grade, possibly D grade student. But he- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: He was super bright. He could talk to you about anything and he was massively interested in lots of things. He just couldn't get his thoughts on paper. So again, um, he was tested uh, and we found out that he was dyslexic too. So I think it's the mismatch between what your child is obviously capable of verbally or creatively and what they're capable of doing within their schoolwork and that should always be a red flag to any parent you should scream loudly until the school listens if you're seeing that and they're not achieving their potential in school
0: and how is there a test that you actually can sort of measure their dyslexia or is it just looking at sort of various traits like you've just described and sort of deducing that they have dyslexia
1: so, I mean, that's just what a parent can look out for. Um, there are tests you can do. An educational psychologist will do a formal assessment for dyslexia, um, and that's it, it's very expensive, um, and it takes uh, two or three hours to actually do the formal assessment sometimes. Um, and that is something that you can pay for um, as, as a, a privately, or you can ask your school to help you to organise. But normally, um, parents need to pay for that. Um, but there are lots of screeners that the school can use and should be using beforehand. So I think the f- the first thing is if you as parents think there's a problem, raise it with the school, ask the school to do a screener. And there are lots of online screeners that are very um, easy to use and very cheap to use. Um, and then after that, they probably will suggest a formal assessment. But there's there's an awful lot teachers can do to help kids, even without that diagnostic assessment. And if your children are in mainstream state school, there's a massive shortage of educational psychologists able to do that. So there's lots teachers can be doing before that. And that's why, as a charity, we've produced free teacher training. So um, there's so many things that teachers can do to pick it up, help those kids rather than waiting a long time for an assessment.
0: Because an educational psychologist test is, I mean, I know that 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 is incredibly expensive. We're talking sort of around a thousand pounds, aren't we?
1: yeah some I think you can some some are about three to four hundred pounds, but yes it 's a lot of money um, and and there 's often a reluctance in schools still with teachers to to actually push for the assessment because the label of dyslexia is seen as as something that you don 't want, but actually it 's the opposite it 's really important for teachers to to be able to allow kids to have that label because we all know i mean i knew at 5 that i couldn't do the things other kids can do all all children pick it up really early and if if they understand why there's a problem uh, or why they have a problem learning certain things but also recognize that they're good at different things as well it totally transforms the way they think about themselves. And and it's really important that we give those children those positive vibes really, really early because it is life-changing if we do.
0: Well, this idea that labelling is sort of somehow negative, but it's also giving you a greater understanding of how your brain works. I guess the only reason labelling could be negative is because of, you know, misunderstanding about what dyslexia actually is uh, rather than an appreciation of what it allows you to do. 100%
1: 100% that's exactly um, what we believe and what we're trying to campaign for as a charity because it is, it is a really amazing way of thinking and, and we have to shift society's perception of it um, to, so they understand that and we can then encourage this this movement within schools to to look for it much earlier.
0: And what happens if uh, dyslexia isn't diagnosed how does did you know about how that might be affecting the child and their learning journey um if it's not diagnosed uh
1: it it can, it's on a spectrum i mean it can be absolutely disastrous um that and we we try not to talk about the negative sides of it, but actually, if you look at things like people referral units um young offenders institutions they they are so packed full of dyslexic people that weren't picked up and weren't giving, given the support that that they can get um, I'm, I'm, i've done a lot of work in pupil referral units um, when i was working at a previous organization and and know firsthand how those kids can just think they're stupid and it's much easier to be naughty than it is to actually put your hand up and say you can't do the work that you're trying to do. Um, so it, you know, if 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 you come from um, a disadvantaged background, dyslexia is hereditary. So there's probably a mum or a dad that didn't do very well at school. You haven't got positive role models. the The trajectory is really not good, and that's that's a serious issue for everybody. Um, but just from, um, from a self-esteem angle, if your dyslexia isn't picked up and you're struggling along at school thinking that you're not very bright, if every single thing that you're being tested on at school, whether it's spelling, um, grammar, whether or, no, you, whether or not you know your times tables, getting your thoughts on paper quickly in a test, all of those things you're struggling with, but you don't know why, it is going to have a dramatic impact on your self-esteem and your confidence and that can affect mental health it can have have really dire consequences so it's just so important that we find these kids and we give them um, the support they need to to flourish because that's what they should be doing and can be doing
0: I mean I've got to say it almost seems like you know it's not (laughs) dyslexic aren't the problem it's that the educational system It's almost teaching them in a language that they don't understand. They're teaching them in a way that they just don't get. And it's not their fault. It's a problem with our education system.
1: I think we have a massive problem with our education system. Um, And I think with dyslexia, there are two things that we need to do. Firstly, we need to level the playing field. So we need to make sure dyslexic children, they're all being picked up. They're all being given the extra time that they need and and the the sort of accommodations they need in the classroom, which are not huge. There's a lot teachers can do that, and it costs nothing. It's just understanding how these kids think. Like what
0: what are the little things that they can do in the classroom
1: that help dyslexic? Well, for instance, um, we love to see the big picture. So one of the things you can do for a a dyslexic child, and it's good for all kids, is to say, here is what we're going to be learning today. This is what I need you to be getting out of the learning today. So you give them the big picture, you're telling them what you're expecting them to do, and then you delve into the lesson. So they're already engaged. Um, if a child is daydreaming um, instead of saying concentrate you're daydreaming come on you're not going to be able to do it it's normally something critical you'll you'll aim at a child who's daydreaming actually just rein them back in by saying I'm sure you're thinking of something amazing at the moment but actually I need you to focus on this so little things that you can change with your language Um, and and I mean asking dyslexic children to do spelling tests or or read out loud there are lots of things that you do automatically in education which are just damn right cruel to be honest with you reading out loud is not something any dyslexic wants to do and you shouldn't be asking them to do that computers technology it's an amazing help for dyslexics and we all use it in everyday life so that should be something that we're using in the classroom so there are there are so many easy things teachers can do and parents can do as well to help um, and if you go to um, our website madebydyslexia.org there's lots of videos loads of amazing facts and um, tips and and tricks that lots of free information to to help with that so um, that's just something that just if you're if you understand how dyslexics think if you understand how to support them there's just so much such a big difference you can make just very simply.
0: It feels like we're de- we actually really are going to rely on dyslexic thinkers in the next decade um and and we need to celebrate them a bit more which is what you're doing with with the work that you're doing
1: absolutely and and I think if we look at, at what dyslexia has already done for us as a as a world um I mean uh The light bulb was invented by a dyslexic, the iPhone invented by a dyslexic, Henry Ford, who came up with the first um, automated car assembly line, which gave everybody affordable cars made by dyslexia. Um, the Wright brothers who had the first airplane, Um, so many things historically that have totally transformed our lives. And, you know, lots of the organisations and businesses that we use today. I mean, IKEA, the founder of IKEA was dyslexic, and um, we've all got hundreds of Billy bookcases, and and flat pack furniture has become something that we all use. So wherever you look, there will be a dyslexic behind most of, of the big... Um, inventions and um, sort of developments of our time. But yes, you're absolutely right. Where dyslexia will go next, I just can't wait to see because uh, I'm sure that there'll be a million wonderful dyslexics out there finding solutions to the problems that we face or problems that we don't know we face but need to know about.
0: And that's before that sort of just desire to ensure that people who are bright and can really contribute towards society are not feeling belittled simply because the education system hasn't fitted to what they are um and obviously you're doing amazing work um in terms of uh you know promoting the expertise amongst teachers so that they can diagnose dyslexia but from our point of view how could is there anything we can do that can help empower dyslexic people
1: as parents yes
0: and as society right as society in general mm.
1: uh the first thing we need to do as a society is recognize that dyslexia isn't a disability actually it's a different way of thinking and a super valuable way of thinking so i i, I think just changing that perception and that mindset and understanding this incredible pattern of strengths um spelling most dyslexics really struggle with spelling don't criticize people for bad spelling. See them that see that they're probably dyslexic. So rather than actually laugh at somebody who can't spell, actually say, Do you know what? If as long as you understand what the word says, it doesn't really matter. Um and we've all got spell checks. So there's lots of I, I think people that think differently are often um the butt of jokes. Um and and, and just don't do that. It's just not necessary, really. Um I, I think that would be Having that change of perception is super important. But as parents, you know, it is one in five kids. So you will know a dyslexic. Your children might be dyslexic. You might be dyslexic yourself. So just, um, I mean, I would say read the book because it's a real eye opener into what dyslexic thinking is and what dyslexia is. Because you will know somebody, you'll employ somebody or work with somebody, or there'll be somebody within your family who has this amazing ability to think differently and see it as that and celebrate it.
0: And I mean, I got my children to read the book because actually I think it's really important. I mean, I kind of hope they are dyslexic because I'd love them to have this superpower. But even if they're not, I think it's really important that they understand what dyslexia is so that they can start to get rid of this stigma that feels like it's kind of dogged people who have dyslexia
1: yeah absolutely. Um, I think it 's important for everybody to understand it i mean we We need to be more tolerant of of everybody who thinks differently i think we 've diversity is becoming a, a thing that we all value and we all think is important and I think neurodiversity or cognitive diversity is the next one that we really need to address and and be more forgiving and be more embracing of because everybody has something to offer everybody has a brilliance and a spark and it's about understanding that brilliance and spark and recognizing it and really valuing it in every individual that's that makes the world a better place and it's totally where we should be going as as a world and as a society
0: and if anyone listening wants to find out a little bit more about dyslexia about what we've been talking about today and potentially even to do one of the tests online to see if you are dyslexic where's the best place to go
1: So our website, um, madebydyslexia.org, has masses of free information. As a charity, we don't charge for anything. So everything you see, there is a a dyslexic thinking test. Um, There are links to um, teacher training videos. There's masses of information, fact sheets for adults, um, the workplace, um, and for teachers and education and, and parents. So uh, that it's it's a wonderful mine of information that is all very empowering and positive. So I think that's a great place to, to start. And, and we will sign signpost you off to other places too, but it's just a wonderful place to start and explore.
0: Well, Kate, it's been a real pleasure, a real privilege actually to talk to you today. It, uh, we worked together actually years and years ago uh, when you were doing a, a big charity event for Extraordinary People. And it really stuck in my mind that, I had sort of throughout my education, I sort of regarded dyslexia as as something, you know, a difficulty and gosh, poor them, they're dyslexic. And suddenly, through extraordinary people, I was presented with this idea that dyslexia is a superpower. And it really changed my perspective. And I can see how valuable the work that you're doing is. So thank you so much. And thanks for being a guest today on The Parenthood.
1: Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure and lovely to see you again
0: and thank you all for listening to this episode of the parenthood you can subscribe rate and review us wherever you found this podcast planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more
1: luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for
0: free shipping and 365-day returns. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Kate and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye.